If you're updating your closet for summer, you need dependable clothes that you can wear anywhere, whatever you're doing. And for that, you can look to American Giant. American Giant makes clothing of exceptional quality for people who want something more than the status quo offers. Whether you need to re-up on reliable everyday t-shirts, pick up a solid pair of shorts, or invest in a pair of durable jeans, American Giant is a better choice. They make everything right here in the USA from start to finish. So when you buy from American Giant, you become part of creating jobs and improving local communities in towns and cities all across the country. And keeping things local ensures the kind of quality you'll feel and appreciate for years to come. Shop your new summertime closet staples at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your order when you use code WA23 at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com with promo code WA23. Everyone deserves to enjoy a McRib at least once in their lifetime. Because when you're this saucy and tangy and tasty, a life without one creates a serious case of FOMO. The McRib is back. Don't miss the classic you've been craving. Get a McRib, filet of fish or Big Mac, and get another for a dollar. Or mix and match. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome into The Verge, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues. The Verge is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. On Twitter. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we feel like having options like video podcasts and Q&A lets us be more creative on another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com podcasters to get started. Hello, and thank you for listening to this week's Major League Mailbag. I'm your host, Bob Fallon. And I'm taking all your questions and concerns off topic, on topic. It doesn't matter. I'm here to answer anything you ask me. I will read what's on that teleprompter. So the first question I got was actually off topic. It was from Kevin Brown. Not that, not that Kevin Brown. Favorite survivor player of all time. That is CBS's survivor, the reality show. I love that show. I started off as a huge Big Brother fan. Still watch it. But I think I've become more of a Survivor fan over time. Off the top of my head, my favorite players would have to be Tony Vlachos, who's a two-time winner. Tyson Apostle, who's just super entertaining. Of the recent seasons, I've liked Carolyn from this past season and Jesse from the season before that. So if you want me to do Survivor recaps on the weekly, we're going to have to hit 150 patrons. 
Actually, let's make it 200. My wife is not going to accept 150 as the, the reason that I'm doing that. Brandon Stoneberg wants to know, let's say the O's are in a best of five playoff series. What's your playoff, what's your playoff rotation look like for that series? Some teams stick with three to four starters since there are extra rest days in the playoffs. Okay, well, I would start off with Gibson. I feel like he's been pretty steady this season. I feel like if you're in a best of five, I feel like he's trustworthy. So I'd start with Gibson first, Cal Gibson. Then I would do Tyler Wells game two after that. In a perfect world, John Means is back and healthy and looking good. In that world, he would be my three. And Grayson Rodriguez would be my four because I'm hoping that he adjusts as the season goes on. But let's just say we use Means more as a bullpen option. Then I go Frazier, Wells, Rodriguez. And then you got D.L. Hall, Kyle Bradish, John Means as either the fourth starter or just weapons out of the bullpen. I think that's – and even Dean Kramer uh, on short, short rest. Maybe he can gear up and – hit the upper 90s he's already in like the mid mid to upper 90s now as a starter so yeah I think that's what I would do Gibson Wells means Rodriguez or just Rodriguez and hopefully we're able to trade for someone that could figure into that mix as well Brandon wants to know what my favorite Star Wars character is and my favorite Star Wars movie (laughs) I'm gonna say my second favorite one first because it's gonna piss off a lot of people The Last Jedi I love that movie, Ryan Johnson, for life. I think that is a very interesting and very cinematic movie with tons of great moments. It's not perfect, but I love it. I know a lot of people don't. My least favorite would have to be the newest one, Rise of the Skywalker. That was an absolute mess. Um, For character, I have to say none of the newer characters are the best. I do love Kylo Ren as a villain. Emo version of Darth Vader kind of works. But I'll be basic and say Baby Yoda. <laughs> I feel like even though I feel like The Mandalorian hasn't been amazing at all times, it's super watchable from baby, for Baby Yoda alone. And yeah, all right, my favorite movie is Empire Strikes Back, okay? That's basic as well, but that's the truth. Kevin Brown also wants to know, who would you pick to join the Orioles? Roy Hobbs, Wild Thing Rick Vaughn, Henry Rowan Gardner or Benny the Jet Rodriguez. I feel like we already have Benny the Jet, Jorge Mateo, but um, I got to go Rick Vaughn because, look, if the Orioles can get Felix Bautista, Yanir Cano to throw strikes and some other guys that I'm probably forgetting, I feel like that's one thing that this uh, pitching player development has shown is that they can take guys that can't hit the broad side of a barn with good stuff and kind of harness it enough to be a weapon, and I feel like Rick Vaughn could easily be the next guy to do that. George wants to know, if the Orioles end up making a trade for a starter or a bat, what are the odds the trade happens well before the deadline, early July, so to speak? Or is it a deal you see getting done right at the deadline when teams have fully committed to selling? Getting a couple extra starts out of a guy in July could be helpful. I agree, but I also think that means the cost is going to be more. And then you're also taking a little bit more of a chance that an injury could happen after you trade for that person. So I don't see it happening. I think it's a good idea, especially if right deal, right price, like Elias is going to make the trade. If he thinks it's in his favor or a fair deal, then yeah, I could absolutely see that happening, but I'm going to predict that it doesn't just because I feel like the the longer you wait, 
these these teams are bluffing each other. They know what they'll accept in a deal, and if you wait to the last second, you're more likely to get them to cave because they don't want to have expensive players crowding up their roster when they don't think they can do anything competitively. So I think it's probably going to be, you know, mid to late July at the earliest that we see these deals. But hey, we got all these players in AAA. If we could trade a Ramon Arias or something like that to, to make some room to bring some players up, I could see that happening before the trade deadline. But as far as like buying a rental or just, you know, that big trade that's a push for the playoffs, I think that's going to happen closer to the deadline. Tony wants to know, what is my favorite spot to catch an Orioles game that isn't Camden Yards or my couch? I will say that I watched Gunnar Henderson's first game and first career home run at the Aberdeen Ironburn Stadium, Lados Field, from my phone as I was watching that game live as well. But honestly, I'm not a big go out to the bar or go out somewhere to watch the game. Just family. Uh, got kids and a wife who aren't into that kind of thing. So it's usually on my couch or my phone. You know, even if I'm like at a friend's house, I'll try to have it on in the background. Like I'll just sit my phone out so I can take a peek here and there. But if I had to give an answer, I will say Looney's in Bel Air. Just because it's close. Ben Dorst wants to know, do you envision the Orioles targeting anyone at the trade deadline that's big enough to warrant moving one of our top 100 guys? I could see it. I know Ben does not see it. He wants to keep Jordan here, Jordan Westberg, that is, and bring him up, give him some real run. He is a Westberg stand. I get it. He's absolutely killing it this year and his AAA career basically leading back to last year. But I... There's still a lot of time. There's still almost two months until the trade deadline. I think it's in early August, actually, and not July 31st this year. So you, you never know. That's a lot of time that a lot of games can be played. Guys that don't seem like they're going to be available right now might become available, vice versa. Maybe the Brewers say, we're only trading Corbin Burns if we are absolutely blown away. And Michael Elias is like, screw it, then I'll I'll do that. I'll blow you away and I, I will get that. No, um, I think you're right that more realistically, it's probably going to be a little bit of the lesser guys move like a Prieto and Haskin or something of that nature for just some less big improvements. Um, but I, I think there is a world where Westbrook could go. I don't think... Kowser is going to go anywhere. I don't think Ortiz is going anywhere. I'm not even sure that Westbrook is going to go somewhere, but I do think he very well could. David Adams wants us to preview the Toronto series and the Cubs series coming up next week. The Orioles are playing Toronto Tuesday to Thursday at home, and then they're going on the road to face the Cubs next weekend. Toronto is a pretty solid team, as most teams in the AL East are. They have a winning record. Got that strong lineup with George Springer, Bo Bichette, Brandon Belt, Vlad Jr., Matt Chapman, Alejandro Kirk, Whit Merrifield, Dalton Varsho, and Kevin Kiermaier. Seriously, it's going to haunt our dreams forever. They also have Santiago Espinal, Calvin Biggio on the bench. They got some decent pitching. Kevin Galsman is a Cy Young contender, I feel like, this year. Chris Bassett started off slow, has been a little bit better. Jose Barrios and Yusei Kukichi. Kikuchi have not been as good. 
And they have a solid bullpen as well, as I think we know. Jordan Romano, Eric Swanson, Nate Pearson, Thurs Gas, Trevor Richards, Yimi Garcia. So it's going to be a fight. I think that's going to be a tough series. That's why I would really love to see Colton Kowser up for that game. You know, he's got now a week a, ha- a week and a half since coming back from his injury. I'm not certain it's going to happen, but we'd love to see him up just for the help, as well as Jordan Westberg or Joey Ortiz or, or someone, because there are some certainly soft spots in the lineup right now. But let's see how things are lined up, if we're able to tell this far out. I'm recording it on Sunday morning. Kevin Gossman pitches today for the Ray for the Blue Jays, so that means we will not see him in the series. That's great news. We'll have Chris Bassett against Dean Kramer on Tuesday, and it looks like we will face Jose Barrios and Kikuchi in the other two games of the series. I know who we will not be facing, and that's Alec Manoa, who is in the FCL facing off against the likes of Michael Hernandez and Aaron Estrada. And it'll be cool to go to Chicago to face the Cubs, next weekend i feel like that's where the orioles were doing a lot of damage last year against that series with the cubs i think they swept them or at least did really well cubs i feel like they started off okay and now they're 28 and 36 in the nl central five and a half games back of the pirates in first place marcus stroman he's having a great year for them uh, the rest of their pitching not as much kyle hendricks hayden wisneski jameson talion and Drew Smiley. Bullpen doesn't look too imposing. So if you can get past the starters, feel like there could be some late damage done. Their offense is decent. You got Ian Happ, Seiya Suzuki, Dansby Swanson, their new shortstop. Matt Mervis has come up and struggled a little bit. They also have Patrick Wisdom, who can hit some bombs. Nico Horner, he's having a solid year. Mike Talkman, Jan Gomes, and Miguel Amaya. Got Trey Mancini on the bench, so we'll see an old friend there. Nick Madrigal, Christopher Morell, and Tucker Barnhart. So I'm actually not too scared of the Cubs. You should win at least two out of three from them. Say you win one out of three from the Blue Jays, that's three and three. I think we'll go four and two next week. I think they'll either sweep the Cubs and lose two to the Blue Jays or win two out of three in both of those series. So again, you know. Schedule's gotten tougher, but so have the Orioles, and I'm pretty confident in their abilities at this point to be a a really good team. David Adams also wants to know, Seattle has really faltered this season. How is their rebuild different than ours, and what can we learn from them this season to avoid this ourselves next season? I feel like they're just having a sophomore slump. I feel like they have talent. I know they're striking out a ton. Jared Kelnick, he started off strong. I don't think he's doing as well. Teosco Hernandez not doing as well. A trade target on offense. And Eugenio Suarez, I don't know if you could have expected him to continue what he was doing. Cal Rally felt like he was a little bit of a fluke last year. J.P. Crawford, he's kind of their Jorge Mateo, who's more of a glove than a bat, even though he did do pretty well. Ty France. I really think it comes down to their offense. I know Julio is not performing as well as he did last year. They have a lot of guys that are just not super strong at the plate. I think they are a lot of swing and miss in their offense, maybe not the most walks. And obviously that is in direct opposition of how the Orioles are building their offense almost strictly from within. 
either teaching better swing decisions or getting people with great plate discipline to start. So I feel like our offense is more, it's going to be more stable over the long haul than theirs is. We don't have maybe the power that they do, but I feel like we have better approach, maybe a better overall hit tool. I really like what they're doing with their pitching though. Logan Gilbert, Bryce Miller, George Kirby, Emerson Hancock behind him. They have a really good pitching development and they're kind of the opposite from the Orioles. And that regard is having these bigger names, uh, higher draft picked pitchers that have come up and done well. Brian Wu is the latest. Love the trade that they made for Luis Castillo and then extend him. That is a move I would love to see the Orioles do for someone like Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, et cetera, et cetera. Someone of that talent level. So really, I think it's just another one of these teams that prove, at least to me, that the Orioles are smart in the way they're developing their talent pipeline is hitter first, develop your pitchers. If you have good pitching development, you can develop lesser caliber arms to fill in the mid to back end of rotations and especially bullpens. And then you make your trades for the top of the line guys or or sign them. We've yet to see that for the Orioles, but hopefully it's coming. I think it will be. And when you have a cluster of hitting prospects and you trust your development on that front, as you see with the Orioles now, you're going to have too many guys for not enough spots. And then you have your trade chips and you can pick the wheat from the chaff, trade the rest. Sounds simple and it's not, but I feel like the Orioles have put themselves in a really good position to fight against any of these these laws that may happen on the way up to a consistent contender. Ben wants to know, will Cedric Mellons become the third player in Orioles history to hit 100 home runs and steal 100 bases someday? Let's see what he's got right now. I think I already want to say yes, no matter what, but let's just see. He has 61 home runs and 87 stolen bases. So clearly he's going to get 100 stolen bases, and it sounds like he'll be back in two or three weeks, which is really nice. 61 home runs. Yeah, uh, even if he just even if he just plays out his his contracts with the Orioles, I feel like he could do it. And and I wouldn't be surprised if he's signed to a four or five year extension this year or next as well. So yeah, I'll say definitely. Cedric Mullins is uh, going to be well known Oriole Hall of Famer before his career is up. Nate wants to know what are the chances of targeting major league ready pitching prospects at the deadline. Instead of veteran rentals, Cleveland has a surplus of young starters. Tanner Beebe, Logan Allen, Gavin Williams, etc. to match our surplus of everyday prospects. Are there other farm systems or individual prospects that can match up? Maybe Miami? I do not think that's a bad idea at all. I only hesitate because pitchers take a lot more time to develop and, and mature and like become stable, steady presences. Like I feel like... Most pitchers are hitting their stride very close to when they're going to hit free agency. We've seen it with Jake Arrieta, Kevin Galsman, and I know that's a different pitching development, but even with Grayson Rodriguez and Kyle Bradish, you're seeing they're still developing, and they're not going to be their fine-tuned selves for a few more years even still. So I don't think those are the guys you want to go all out to trade for right now as far as a push for the playoffs or you know, to set up your playoff rotation. I feel like that's more of a background trade. If you're going to do it in season, I feel like it's more like prospect for prospect, setting up for the future. But 
I feel like you want to use those bullets at the trade deadline for the major league team now. So it feels like more of an off-season trade type of thing, but I could definitely see it if they like a guy enough who they think, you know, they can push over the top or is just a great fit for our system. I don't think Cleveland is so good at developing pitching. If they want to trade one of these guys, it almost makes me raise an eyebrow and think, wait, you of all teams want to get rid of this pitching talent? It would make me uh, really, really think again about what I was getting into. But also had a question from Ben, which was kind of prompted by myself um, from when the Orioles were playing the Royals on Apple TV Plus, and everyone's like, "Oh, should I get a, a free trial? I don't know." I said, "You probably should because Apple TV they have a lot of good shows, and if you need any recommendations, you have to ask on the mailbag." And then Ben did so. He wants to know which Apple TV Plus shows are worth watching. First of all, Severance was one of the best shows of the year last year when it came out. I know there's a lot of behind-the-scenes uh, production issues coming into Season 2 and obviously a writer strike going on in Hollywood. So Season 2 might not be out for a while, but Season 1 was extraordinary. If you like weird sci-fi concepts, really feel like it, it pulls off the first season perfectly. So I would definitely check that one out. For All Mankind is a really cool show. I fell off after the first season, but I've heard that it's it's still continued to be good. I enjoyed it. I don't know why. I just never went back to it. Foundation, It the first season made me read the book, and it's interesting and a little weird, but season two is coming out soon. The Morning Show sucks. Do not watch that. Mythic Quest is a really good comedy from the makers of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, about a video game company, Pachinko, really, really strong family drama if you're not opposed to subtitles. Servant is a really good horror show. I actually really enjoyed the vibes. Ted Lasso, a little overrated, but first season's great, second season's good, third season is okay. And they have some uh, cool shows coming out soon from the looks of things, so that all should be enough to get you started. Kind of a different mix of genres and i'm watching the seth rogan comedy platonic right now when well, it's pretty good not great but it's uh decent and if shrinking is them i'm not sure if it is but the uh, harrison ford jason siegel show that was a lot of fun as well before i wrap up here i'll just go over the roster and just give my instead of ranking the players that seems too arbitrary and exhausting i'm going to just go through my spreadsheet that I keep of the players and their performance and kind of just give them a, a grade at this point in the season. Maybe say a couple things about him. Adley Rutschman. Yeah, he's slumped a little bit of late, but he's batting 274 with an 800 OPS. More walks than strikeouts. You'd like to see a little more power from him. If I'm being honest, at least doubles. But he really can't complain. That's just nitpicking. He's... He could be better throwing out runners trying to steal second, sure. But, I mean, he's, he's, our, he's our centerpiece. He's our anchor. If it wasn't for Mullins, then he would be the guy. If it wasn't for Rushman, I feel like losing Mullins would hurt uh, even a heck of a lot more than it already did. Ryan Mountcastle. He has been struggling. He's now batting 227 with a 686 OPS on the season. Leads the team in home runs with 11 and RBIs with 39, tied with Cedric Mullins. 
but he's missing this weekend because uh, he's sick. That's the company line. Although there was the the thing on Facebook about he was looking into why he is dizzy. So hopefully he's okay and can get back on track. But I've been a big Mountcastle supporter and fan for a while. Starting to lose faith despite how hard he hits the ball. Anthony Santander, he was like in a huge slump for a second. Then he went three for four with two doubles. Yesterday, he's batting 264 with an 812 OPS. Streaky hitter, but I feel like he's a solid middle-of-the-order bat. Austin Hayes continuing to have an excellent season, batting 307 with an 846 OPS. He's not walking a ton, but 6.2%. And he's hitting for power. He's playing pretty solid defense despite the metrics. And uh, yeah, as long as he continues to hit and stay healthy, he's going to be a weapon for us. Gunnar Henderson, he's really coming into his own, really getting hot. All of a sudden, he's batting 225 with a 771 OPS. He's got the second best walk rate on the team. And he's got his strikeout rate slightly under 30%, which is nice. He now has eight home runs to go along with seven doubles and two triples. Yeah, really feel like we're about to see the big breakout a la Julio Rodriguez last year. Do not rule out that Rookie of the Year just yet. Adam Frazier, he's batting 236 with a 7-4 OPS. Ben DeWurst, <laughs> worst enemy, just continues to be super solid, playing a decent second base. He's going to give you your hits. He's not going to strike out much. He's going to walk a little bit. He's just the perfect guy to have at the bottom of a lineup that can move around a little bit. No problem with Adam Frazier starting most games on this team right now. Jorge Mateo, it's funny how, Ben, you'll criticize Frazier, but Mateo, my goodness, ever since the beginning of May, he still has a negative WRC+. Plus. 0 for 4 with three strikeouts yesterday, batting 227 with a 637 OPS. Uh, I'm back to, like, trade him or put him a 25th, 26th man on the roster. Maybe Kyle Glazer wasn't wrong after all. Ramon Arias, feel like he's been a mixed bag since he's come back, batting 252 with a 707 OPS. This is the guy I really would like to trade just because I feel like Jordan Westward could do it better. James McCann, part-time DH, part-time catcher, batting 190 with a 593 OPS. I do feel like the bat is better than those numbers indicate, but he's only walking 3.4% of the time. That is the, the weirdest part to me. I wouldn't DH him quite as much as they are, but I have no problem with McCann. Ryan McKenna starting to become a little bit less necessary for his defense and speed now that another Ben Doris favorite Aaron Hicks is on the team. But he's batting 229 with a 619 OPS and another one where he's only walking 4% of the time, striking out over 30% of the time. He had a really decent eye last year and in the minor leagues, AAA for his career. So that's weird. Orioles fixed Ryan O'Hearn. He's now a regular staple. At first base and on the bench, batting 295 with an 874. I'm obviously being a little sarcastic. It's only 61 at bats, so we'll see. But some really positive signs for Ryan O'Hearn. He's had some really big moments, and he has 16 RBIs in 23 games. Gunnar Henderson has 18 RBIs over 56 games. So he's producing when he's in there. And I was talking about Aaron Hicks, 25 at bats. He's batting 320 with a 972 OPS, more walks and strikeouts. He's had a home run, a triple. He's made some nice plays in center field. He's out of New York, and he's rejuvenated. I feel like New York, it just sucks the life out of you. 
took a couple of weeks off, went golfing, and now he's back to being a baseball player that he was <laughs> before that. I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure it's a short-term thing, this production level, but I would not mind him at all being the fourth outfielder, fifth outfielder when uh, Kelton Kowser and or Cedric Mullins are on the team and he can be a bench player, pretty solid veteran. Josh Lester is currently on the team. He's two for 11 to start his season with two RBI. He'll be, he'll be back down soon. So I'm, I'm happy for him that he got to come up and get some at-bats at the majors this year because he's really been performing well in AAA, but it's not going to be for long. Kyle Gibson is 7-3 and three with a 3.87 ERA, an identical 3.87 FIP based on at least my spreadsheet. Just super solid veteran, better version of uh, Jordan Lyles like we fully expected coming in. Money well spent on that contract. Dean Kramer, 6-3 and three with a 4.89 ERA, 4.69 FIP. He's up and down. He's been better since the beginning of the season, but... I feel like he is the fourth safest starting pitcher after Gibson, Bradish, and Wells. Speaking of Bradish, he is 2-2 two and two with a 4.25 ERA, 51 strikeouts over 53 innings, 3.52 FIP. He's had a couple of blow-up starts and some starts where he starts strong and then kind of fades a little bit late. This latest one, he gave up three runs in the first and then buckled down and pitched really well. So if he can put it all together, he's a mid to upper starting pitcher in the majors i feel like his fastball it's got velocity not the best stuff he gets hit but his his breaking stuff is excellent and uh fully expect him to be a significant piece of the orioles rotation for the next several years same with tyler wells who's just been absolutely phenomenal missing more bats of late five and two with a 3.24 era 74 strikeouts over 75 innings does have a 4.29 fip because he's given up 14 home runs but he hasn't been walking anyone, only 15 over 75 innings, and whip under 1, 0.85. And Cole Irvin came up. He got the start yesterday. Only gave up one run over five and a third. He only threw like 70 pitches. Could have gone a little bit deeper in the game there, but 18 strikeouts and 18.33 innings pitch. Don't know why I said it like that. But I feel like he touched 95 yesterday. He's improved his control and command while he was down in AAA. Really curious to see how he does the second time up. Bullpen has been a weapon and a curse at the same time this year, but Felix Bautista is just absolutely filthy. 1.16 ERA, 17 saves, 64 strikeouts over 31 innings. That's 18.58 K per nine. Absolutely absurd. He's second on the team behind Tyler Wells in strikeouts despite only throwing 31 innings. Can't say enough good things about Felix Bautista. Yanir Cano, he's coming back down to earth a little bit, but I think this is the pitcher who he's going to be. He's got a 1.06 ERA. Of course, that's not going to hold. I think he's going to be a guy that can hover around three ERA, get you ground balls. He gets a lot of double plays, and he still struck out 33 over 34 innings. He's not going to give up a lot of home runs because he's a sinker baller, and ground ball pitchers do tend to give up more hits than fly ball pitchers, so... I don't think he's like falling apart. I just think he's, he's, you know, he's a relief pitcher. He had some luck to go with some dominance early on. Teams are getting a look at him and he's still effective. So no worries there. Danny Colomb, 
continues to be a weapon for the Orioles. 2.02 ERA over 22 and a third innings with 32 strikeouts. Brian Baker, ugh, velocity is down. 3.58 ERA, but 18 walks and 34 strikeouts. I was really liking him early on the season. I, I still like the guy. He's got good stuff. I just, the cons- consistency is what needs to come next. The velocity wavered a lot up and down last year as well. I think that's just kind of who he is, but the control is what I'd like to see improve. Ciano Perez, he was really big yesterday, one and two-thirds scoreless innings with a strikeout. He's got a 4.37 ERA, but still one of the last guys you really trust at the moment because the control is not there. He's not even striking out that many guys, but continued improvement would be good to see. Austin Voth. 4.40 4.40 ERA over 30 and two-thirds innings. He's just much better as a long man than a, a short man, I guess you could say. I feel like shorter stints, high leverage is not his bag, but if you're up by uh, three to four runs or down by three to four, four runs and you need someone to eat two to four innings, he's your guy, and I think he's going to perform well in that role. Unfortunately, the Orioles play a lot of close games, so it's not as frequent. Mike Bauman, he is 4-0 with a 3.97 ERA, 37 strikeouts over 34 innings. He started off strong, then kind of struggled a little bit. Now I feel like he's performing really well again outside of that wild pitch that allowed a run to score on Tyler Wells' line the other day. But I don't think he's going anywhere at this point. He does have options, though, so maybe I'll eat my words there. Keegan Aiken, he will be going somewhere. He's in his last option here. He's got a 4.5 ERA on the season, but the options and the fact that he's just, he's been okay. He's not been bad by any means, but he's just kind of a guy right now. And I feel like he'll be up and down a few times this year. Also, shout out to Nick Vespi, who was on the roster for about 12 hours, has been on the Major League roster twice this year, and has yet to throw a Major League pitch. So that sucks. Really want to see him get some run. Would love to see him take Aiken's place because I do think he is a better pitcher, but say lovey. That'll do it for me. Thank you for listening to this Major League Mailbag, and we'll be back tomorrow night or Monday night for those listening later. Not sure what we're talking about, but it'll be Orioles minor league related, and uh, hope you listen and check it out. Thanks. That'll do it for this week's episode of On The Verge. Be sure to check out our Patreon page where you can help show your support for the show and get bonus content, including monthly top 50 updates to our prospect list and daily game recaps during the season and much, much more.